Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, I have got a really good question that I'm going to answer. It's going to be about my favorite trading books. And for this episode, I'm going to call this gentleman Rufus because that is what he asked to be called. He says, hey, Ryan, first and foremost, thank you so much for your podcast. I found it at the perfect moment in my trading career and felt compelled to share my gratitude with you. I would say I've listened to about 60% in no particular order and can't wait to finish them all. I absolutely love the whiskey cameos and find myself browsing the whiskey aisle a little bit closer now since listening to you. If I can make a recommendation, check out the Kirkland Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey that is distilled through Bardens. I decided to give it a go when looking at Costco recently and was pleasantly surprised how amazing this is. Well, we're getting a Costco here locally. I think it's like November 19th, so I will make sure when I get my membership that I also pick up some of their bourbon as well. Rufus goes on to write a little bit about me. I've been investing since a very young age, having inherited a small amount of Apple that has blossomed into a monster in my portfolio over the past decades. He's saying decades here. Holy cow. Like, I mean, I remember if I would have bought Apple, I think it was like 2006, I, I could have bought it before the split at like $33 a share. So I, rem I can remember that day. It was like around Christmas Day or so. I was like, oh, should I buy it? Should I not? And I was like, no. I'll wait till tomorrow, and then the next day just took off, and and uh, I've always regretted not making a long-term investment of Apple at that particular time. Anyways, this guy's been holding it for decades, so he's got a good little nest egg. Even if he, you know, only bought a few thousand dollars of it a few decades ago, that that's a lot of money now. He says, up until the pandemic, I would classify myself as a value investor, but really got into options shortly after the market bottomed in March of 2020. Now that I have a year under my belt in the options world, I have learned a tremendous amount of technical analysis, the Greeks, read a variety of books, more on that below, and working towards keeping my emotions in check with each and every trade. That's a work in progress. I go as far as to track every single trade that I have made and write down why I entered the trade and understand what my level of fear versus greed at that specific time was. I would say that my biggest weakness is holding on to falling trades for too long and cutting my winners too early only to see the stock has more room to run. In a recent podcast I listened to, scaling out of the winning trades has been a great strategy to secure profits as well as never trading through earnings. And he also puts that in caps, which means he's probably <laughs> learned a few good lessons through that. He says, by the way, I'm not a Robin Hood bro. I'm think or swim for life. My question, I have heard you mention a few books here and there, but can you devote a podcast specifically to what books have made the most impact on your trading career and why? For me specifically, these are the books that have made the most impact in my career up to this point. Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. His takeaway from it was that anything can happen. Be rigid with your rules and flexible with your expectations. His second one was One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. You miss so many opportunities in trading. But if you're terrific in this business, you're going to be successful six out of 10 times. And his third one was Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Did I say that right? I'm not sure. But it, he is, his takeaway from that was is the most important part of every trading plan is planning on your plan, not going according to plan. Holy cow. That's pretty insightful. 
I think I could uh, make a whole podcast episode about that. I'm going to write that down and, and do that, actually. He says, again, thank you for all that you do in helping me further progress my journey as a trader and for keeping my bar cart full of whiskey. Thank you, Rufus. So really good email here. I'm going to talk a lot about the different books that I really like as a trader that have made some monumental impacts on my life. Now, what am I drinking? I am drinking Thomas S. Moore Cabernet Savion. I never know how to say that word right. I'm not I'm not uh, sophisticated enough to be able to say that word right, but I'll just call it a cab. It's uh it's finished in Cabernet cask. It's 47.65% alcohol, 95.3 proof. Thomas S. Moore. Now I I got this at Sam's. I've seen it before, and sometimes Sam's will carry these special or limited edition bottles of bourbon. And this was one of them here. They had a $61 sale on it. And usually you find it for like $75, $80 retail. So I was like, you know what? Fine. I have a few extra uh, reward dollars on my account, which I didn't even know about until this past weekend. I was like, you know what? Let's use the money on this stuff here. So I got it basically for free because apparently over all these years, I've been accumulating some Sam's bucks and uh, I devoted it to this. They don't tell you how long it's been aged, which is something I wish they would have done. They basically say they do it in the new oak barrels and then they transfer it at the end for a finish in the cabernet casks for a few few more years how long that is i'm not sure now it's not bad to the nose it's got like some grape fruity smells to it kind of like a wine almost like if you were smelling a wine but not as strong not as poignant but there is a little bit of spice on the taste it's it's weird because i can't really get past that cabernet flavor and i'm not a huge wine drinker and it doesn't necessarily taste like you're drinking a bottle of wine. Otherwise, you just drink a bottle of wine. But there is those notes there. Now, I'm not really picking up on a lot of other things besides that. And while that that flavor is a bit subtle, nothing else is really emerging to the surface. But it's decent. It's got a nice sweetness to it. And if you go back, there's a YouTube, famous YouTube video called The Crazy Hot Matrix. And if I was rating the Thomas S. Moore according to The Crazy Hot Matrix, I would put it in the fun zone. This is a fun zone bottle of bourbon. My score is going to be 7.7 out of 10. You know, it doesn't doesn't have that elite status to it. It's not something that you have to have, but it's pretty good. Is it an everyday sipper? No, I would not want to sip this every day, but it's quality. It's a good bourbon, but it's not something that I necessarily want to drink every day because it's just that flavor wouldn't appeal to me day after day after day. But it's kind of a cool thing if you have people coming over you're like, and you know they're into wines. Like, hey, you know, you may not be into bourbon so much or you're trying to get into bourbon. Try this Thomas S. Moore out. You might like it. Now, back to Rufus here, okay? I always find it interesting over the past, I, I would probably say since March of 2020 when the, when the COVID hit and the market had the big sell-off and all these people for the first time either started investing and trading for the first time ever, or they just started trading for the first time. In the case of Rufus here, he's been a value investor for years, but he started trading options. And I, I, I really hate going straight into options because I think there's so much danger with options in general. He, he mentioned about, you know, trying to get a handle on all the Greeks, and there's a lot of danger in those. And, and, and some of them, I don't really have a full grasp on them either. But one of the most frustrating ones or elements is the time element that's associated with options. And even if you're ultimately right about the direction of the stock, the option can expire worthless. And so that's one of the big hangups for me. It's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of options. If, if I'm going to do options, I want to write them 
But I, I mean, that's not me saying go out there and sell a whole bunch of naked calls. You know, I like to do covered calls and strategies like that against long-term positions. So I would always caution people, and I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes as well, be careful that you're not just jumping into the stock market and immediately going to options because there is a lot of volatility in the options. And I think that's what appeals to a lot of people because you can control more shares for a premium rather than having to buy all the shares outright. And while it's very luring to wanted to do that, it can also get you into a lot of trouble when those options expire worthless, especially if you buy too many options contracts. I also like too how he talked about how he tracks every single trade that he takes, especially as a beginner, you want to do that. I track my trades too. I don't get so much as into the emotional aspects. For some reason, I have a very keen memory about the emotions that might have been there for every particular trade. But it's good though that he's writing that out because if he doesn't really have a handle on that, then he wants to be adding that so he can start seeing trends just even in his emotions as it pertains to trades. One of the reasons why I don't like to keep getting back into a specific stock after I get stopped out. Not that I never will, but I'm very careful about doing so because I want to make sure that I'm not doing it out of revenge. And sometimes even if the chart looks ripe, you still may have a revenge factor there that you're choosing that stock over a different stock that has a far better setup to it, but you're justifying getting back into that other stock because you want to make that money back and you're going after it, even though it probably should be your second choice or third choice and not your first choice in terms of trades. But there's a number of books out there that I've really enjoyed over the years. I really like Trading in the Zone. I think that was a really good one. That's by Mark Douglas. Rufus mentioned that one as well. I always go back and I could tell how much I liked it or how much it appealed to me by how much I underlined the words in the book. And with Mark Douglas's book, there's some pages where I'm essentially underlining every single word that he's typing out. It's a good, good book. And he gets a lot into the psychological aspects, which I do a lot of that too in this podcast, but he gets into it probably to a whole other level. Dr. Alexander Elder also does it. I recommend almost any Dr. Alexander Elder book. When I say almost any, really any Alexander Elder book, I haven't found one that I didn't like. But my favorite book of all time is Reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Edwin Lefevere. I don't know how you say it, but it's about Jesse Livermore. And this book, I'm telling you, it's the most quotable book. It's the most entertaining trading book you'll ever read. This book is about a guy that's long gone, Jesse Livermore. And they don't even use his name in the book, but you know who they're talking about. I've underlined this book more to a point to where I shouldn't have even underlined it at all. But there's so many quotes. I'm just going to open it up to a page and I'm going to read you the first couple of things that I underline. One, you know, a professional gambler is not looking for long shots, but for sure money. There's a lot to be said about that. As, as traders, there's a lot of people right now that are looking to get into AMC and GameStop, and they're hoping to make big, big money. They're hoping to hit those home runs, but there's not any sure money in that. You're just hoping. People with Dogecoin, they're hoping. As professional traders, we got to be getting in for trades that looks like sure money. And sometimes I trade stocks that nobody's even heard of, and people like scratch their heads like, Ryan, why are you even trading that one? Who's heard of that stock before? And sometimes those ones that no one's even heard about are the ones that do the best. Here's another quote for you. It is simple arithmetic to prove that it is a wise thing to have a big bet down only when you win and when you lose to only have a small exploratory bet, as it were. If a man trades in the way I have described, he will always be in the profitable position of being able to cash in on the big bet. 
And while he's basically talking about scaling in, there's a lot of takeaway from that. Keeping the risk tight, making sure that you let your winners run because you want to win big and lose small. That's what I always talk about on this podcast is not setting yourself up for big losses. Here's, here's a great one. And this is, I just really turned the page on this one. He writes, do you wish to gamble blindly, <clears throat> AMC GameStop, in the hope of getting a great big profit? Or do you wish to speculate intelligently and get a smaller but much more probable profit? And the consistency of winning in the stock market comes from much smaller profits than what most people are dreaming of with AMC and GameStop. And look, I'm not knocking on AMC. In fact, today I, I provided a chart on AMC. Yesterday I provided a chart on GameStop because there's some charts there that are actually setting up. But do I think it's going to the moon and that you're going to colonize Mars? No. Somebody says, oh, do you think it'll go back up to 70 today? That's what I was asked. You know, it's trading at 47 right now. I told him, dude, if it gets up to 60, you should be counting your blessings. But people want it to go to these outrageous numbers. And you're investing in companies. They're not even that good financially. GameStop, come on. But the magic is in the smaller profits, making 10 or 15% on a trade. Or then your winners run to where you make 25 or 30%, scaling out along the way to protect your risk. Here's another one, and, and I probably need to hear this today because the market, of course, we're in a bubble. How long does that bubble go for? I don't know. It could keep going on for another 10 years, but this is a great one, and I need to hear this right now at this very moment. It says, stocks are never too high to buy or too low to sell. The price, per se, has nothing to do with establishing my line of least resistance. He's saying here is like, who cares how high a stock is or how low a stock is? Go in the direction of the stock that offers the least amount of resistance. Trade in the direction where you're most likely, most probable to be profitable on the trade. So again, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Great book, super old. More relevant than any book that's out there right now. And while I'm at it, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's the site that goes along with this podcast that helps support this podcast helps provide for the finances behind this podcast, go check it out. You're going to get all of my market research that I do each and every day. That's going to include weekly updates on each of the three indices, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, the Russell 2000, plus weekly updates on all the FANG stocks, plus Microsoft, plus Tesla. Then you're going to get my weekly watch list for the stocks that are on my master watch list, both bullish stocks and bearish stocks. Then each day, each morning, you're going to get daily trade setups. The list of stocks that I'm looking at for that day as a potential trade setup, plus the best and most intriguing charts that I come across every single trading session. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You're supporting the podcast in doing so. All right, now the next book that I really like, How I Made $2 Million in the Stock Market by Nicholas Darvis. Another old book. I think this was Four years ago, at the back of the book says, how did a world-famous dancer with no knowledge of the stock market or of finance in general make $2 million in the stock market in 18 months, starting with only $10,000? So he was like a ballet dancer, I think, or, or something to, to that regard. He was creating charts. And you got to remember, I think this is from like the 1940s or 50s or something like that. The dude was basically making his money off of box breakouts. If you look at some of my charts that I've provided on StockTwits, Twitter, or you know, on any of the subscription services, you'll see that I, I will oftentimes draw a box around consolidation. 
he made money off of the consolidation by trading the breakouts of the consolidation patterns to the upside and breakdowns to the downside. I was highly influenced by this book in my technical analysis journey. So definitely check out that one too. And, and no, I'm not making any money by recommending these things. I promise I'm not. Technical Analysis of the Financial Markets, A Comprehensive Guide to the Trading Methods and Applications by John J. Murphy. This is super boring, super dry. It's probably best read on the toilet. I'm not going to lie. That's because, I mean, who falls asleep on the toilet, right? You, you got you to gotta be doing something on the toilet, you know? So it's either people are looking at their phone or you could be reading Technical Analysis of the Financial Markets, which is a very dry, dry book, but you're going to learn a lot. It goes over tons of patterns talking about indicators. We're talking about bands. We're talking about investor sentiment readings. We're talking about Japanese candlesticks. And there's books on Japanese candlesticks that you can get. And I got some of those too, but this one's basically like the all-encompassing guide to technical analysis. I think it's really, really important to read this book. It is boring. Again, being on the toilet's kind of boring too. Go pick up a book and be bored and at least learn from it in the process. And if you're going to pick up a book, I would say pick up Technical Analysis of the Financial Markets by John J. Murphy. Even the title is boring. It's super boring. But you're going to learn a lot, guys. And you'll thank me later for it. I always tell people when they're wanting to learn about the stock market, pick up this book. You'll learn a lot from it. So if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcast app or at least subscribe so you'll get notified when I do these things. It helps me out tremendously in, in continuing to build this podcast. I'm nearing 200 podcast episodes, I just realized. So I want to make it to 300 and 400 and 500 and in one day, 1,000. So keep supporting this podcast. You guys mean the world to me. It means everything that you guys keep listening each and every week. And uh, make sure to send me your questions. Make sure to let me know what is perplexing you most about the stock market. What would you like my opinion on? You can send those questions to ryan at shareplanner.com. Thank you, guys. and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Mm-hmm.